0: Nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring today. Robert Half is here to help. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
1: Today on Watching Your Wealth, how to help pay for your child's wedding without hurting your financial future. This
0: is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger.
1: This is Veronica Dagger, and you're listening to Watching Your Wealth, where you learn all you need to know about building your wealth and protecting your money. Darla Cashin is a financial advisor at RBC Wealth Management. Welcome, Darla. Thank you. Darla, parents may want to help pay for part or all of their child's wedding, and it's very generous if you can afford to do it. But you can also overextend yourself doing this, too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: I have uh, seen it before. And I'm sure I'll see it again.
1: Oh man, yeah, you, and it's tough when you're someone's a retiree um, and they're taking money out of their portfolio or spending cash uh, to help fund the wedding. It can be, uh, it can be tricky, and it can put you in a tough position. So I'm wondering, everybody's situation is different, but generally speaking, what's a way to start to approach this? Like, should off the bat, should you set boundaries with your child and say, hey, this is only, I can only give you this much money, or what should you do?
2: So, I have a, an operating mantra when it comes to big life cycle events it's about the marriage, not the wedding. And so, I think it's a really important opportunity for parents to step in and talk about what they can do and what they're willing to do to set a budget and to communicate openly with their children and soon-to-be uh, new members of the family exactly what they're able to do in terms of the wedding. And oftentimes, it doesn't matter how wealthy a family is. Sometimes it just grows with scale. Yep. So uh, so this is the most important thing to do right out of the gate and I would suggest early on, as soon as possible, as soon as, as, soon as families identify that a wedding is in the uh, is in the cards, good is point. a good time to get involved in this discussion.
1: Right, because you don't want to overpromise something and then later on be like, oh, whoops, I, I can't afford this or this is not what I'm comfortable with.
2: Exactly. Exactly.
1: What what if your child is, though, but like, oh, I know you can only give me like $50,000, but I really want, you know, the super duper deluxe, you know, XYZ for my wedding and like, come on, it's going to be my only wedding. Like, what do you say when you get maybe some of that guilt from your child?
2: I think it's very, very difficult. But again, if we go back to that original conversation, it's also really important to try to control your emotions um and to convey the idea that this is a single day or maybe a long weekend and and again to reinforce that idea that uh, you know this is coming with love and support but there are going to be limits in what we're able to do
1: setting those limits out right yeah that makes a lot of sense so in terms of what what like what's the best way to pay for a wedding should you offer to pay the vendors directly for your child, or should you give them cash so they can pay those vendors? What do you suggest from a tax perspective?
2: So I think talk to a tax advisor, first off. Um, But I actually take maybe a a slightly different approach, that parents ought to treat this like they're a corporate sponsor of an event. And so I think it's really important to say we have some financial support that we're offering in exchange for some expectations that we have about the event. And those expectations may be that we're willing to pay for or underwrite certain aspects of the of the weekend of festivities. Or I've even seen parents who've said, you know, if you scale back, my intention was to give you fifty thousand. If you scale back the expenses, you can keep the difference and put some financial incentive um, to to think more modestly about about a wedding plan.
1: And you're also teaching them a little bit more about savings, too. Just because they're older doesn't mean you can't encourage them to be savers rather than spenders at this point. That sounds like a really smart way to encourage that behavior.
2: Absolutely. And I think it um, it's also c- can put the responsibility on how to manage a limited budget, which could, like I said, could actually be seemingly extravagant to many people, but, but start to talk about what that day is going to look like and feel like. I was at a wedding last summer, and it was super hip and super casual, and it was a lot less expensive. So the bride and groom had food trucks uh, that provided the food for the event, and it was in an outdoor space, and it was very economical, but it was incredibly fun. and Sounds fun. They, from their perspective, they didn't seem like they were skimping, and I think everyone had a great time and was excited to celebrate the marriage that they were embarking on
1: you say to parents who are thinking about borrowing from their 401k to help fund their child's wedding?
2: I would say the same thing that I would say to them about borrowing for college. You cannot borrow for retirement. And so to take uh, take those resources that potentially are designed to last upwards of 40 years and use them for something um, that is, again, a one or two or three day event, um, is I think, um, really not a prudent decision. So one of the, one of the other examples I use with families is, I don't know if you remember the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, then to, to, to try to look at it from the standpoint of you have a budget and you have a list of people now build the wedding around the budget you have and the list of people you have. So that the celebration is really about that marriage and that you can keep it well within what is a reasonable um, expense for the for the families involved.
1: Do you see parents saying, "We'll lend you X amount of dollars or rather give you X amount of dollars for the wedding in exchange my expectation is you're going to use that money to invite I don't know 10 of my friends." The parents exactly. saying my friends, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So it's like it comes with strings evidently. Yes,
2: and you know, and it's a funny thing because Um, Because I think that's where you, you know, when you start to frame it in that corporate sponsorship uh, mentality, that if you do have expectations about what, uh, um, about what you're going to, quote, receive uh, in, in support of the wedding, you need to articulate those early. And I think this becomes extremely important when you're looking at some geographic challenges or... Uh, you know, if there are financial challenges for members of the family who you know who may need some help attending a wedding um, that's out of their uh, out of state or out of the city that they're living in, so I think it again it's really clear, but also, keep in mind that it's it, it's it's not your wedding, so right. it's important to let go of all of the expectations around you know, the the things that you're concerned about, whether it's, you know, what the neighbors are going to think or what your, you know, relatives who had recent weddings are going to consider as well.
1: I was going to say, because sometimes it's it's not so much the kids who want the big wedding, it's the parents who want the big wedding and <laughs> want to spend all this money. And the kids are saying, no, I just want like a 10 person wedding. Um, and so I think if your child comes to you and says that, you got to respect it.
2: Absolutely. Right? And you know, and I think that there are ways when you have a conflict like that for parents to step in and say, we get it, let's have the, again, the the marriage that you intend that reflects your values and, and um, but at the same time, we would like to celebrate you as a family. So is there something that we could do separately that isn't part of that weekend, um, you know, or the actual wedding, um, you know, maybe a hosted brunch or something like that back in the hometown that recognizes and celebrates the marriage, but doesn't put the onus on the on the couple to either organize or produce that event.
1: Right, that's a nice way to do it. My mom did that for me. I wanted a really small wedding, and so she was generous enough not only to help pay for my wedding, but also down the road through a brunch and the larger family and some of her friends were invited, and everybody was happy. It was a perfect compromise. Absolutely. Wondering when does it make sense to use a line of credit. To help fund your child's wedding,
2: never, 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 never.
1: Don't do it. Now I
2: say that I say that with this caveat. You know, if you have a short-term cash flow situation and you know that it is it is genuinely temporary, um, but I think it sets a number of bad um, both examples and and particularly if you have more than one child that you might be providing this sort of support for. Um, But, but I, I, you know, I, I, again, I get back to, you know, do celebrate the wedding that you can, you know, within the budget that makes long-term financial sense. Sense
1: for you. And
2: try to avoid the short term, you know, it it reminds me of sometimes, you know, when you see stories of, of people who overdo it at the holidays, (laughs) You know, and then they spend the next year paying
1: it off to read the same thing. Yeah, you feel bad later. Yep. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Hangover. Yep. Darla, we need to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'd love for you to take our fun financial quiz.
2: If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code—a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine.
0: enjoy our podcasts then listen in your car before you start down the road just sync your smartphone using bluetooth or plug into the usb port got apple carplay just tap on the podcast app and search for wsj so the next time you're getting behind the wheel take us along and enjoy the ride the wall street journal listen ambitiously this is watching your wealth from the wall street journal now from our studios in new york here's veronica dagger
1: we're back with RBC's Darla Cashin, who's going to take our fun financial quiz. Darla, you ready? I'm ready. All right. What's the best financial advice you ever heard?
2: From my father. Never say no without a number.
1: <laughs> Worst financial <laughs> advice you ever heard?
2: Unfortunately, also from my father. Uh, when, right when I got out of college, he tried talking me into buying a new car because he had never bought a used car. And it just didn't make financial sense to me. So instead, I bought a late model used car, uh, which I ended up selling a few years later for exactly what I paid for it in order to finance my move to New York City.
1: Oh, wow. Fill in the blank. Money can buy.
2: Money can buy choices and it can also buy frugality by choice.
1: I like that. Fill in the blank. Money can't buy. Money can't
2: buy respect and integrity.
1: True. If you want a million dollars after tax, what would you do with it?
2: Well, that would be funny because I would have had to have entered a game of chance, which I don't do. <laughs> but what I would do uh, in our family, we subscribe to the uh, share, safe spend uh, model. So 25% to charity, 60% to savings, and 15% to spending, which in my family we'd probably use on travel.
1: Very nice. Thanks so much for joining us, Darla. Thank you. And this has been Watching Your Wealth, a production of The Wall Street Journal. I'm Veronica Dagger. For more information, check us out at WSJ.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening.
0: The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. Chief
2: information officers long regarded as technical gurus serving the business are often today's visionaries, evangelists, and change agents for the business. Join Deloitte's Lou DiLorenzo in conversation with tech leaders who've challenged the status quo redefining the CIO's role by transforming organizations and industries. Where technology and influence converge, new opportunities and value can emerge.